Catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com. Okay, you're listening to Africa Tech Radio and um, you're listening to the program Back to Base. The aim of Back to Base on Africa Tech Radio is to humanize tech founders so that you can get inspiration to start your own tech journey. I'll just say that it's never too late. My name is Lillian and today we'll be having a chat with Dario Giuliani. Please correct me if I got that wrong. Did I get it's it right? Giuliani, but it's fine. Giuliani. I got all sorts of surnames. Giuliani. Yes. Okay. Dario Giuliani. But I'll just be calling you Dario to avoid any problems. He is the founder CEO of Brita Bridges. And um, we want to talk about his journey so far. He'll be taking us through his journey and also, you know, founding Brita Bridges. So the thing is, uh, to many people, when the topic of data comes up, it sounds like gibberish. A friend of mine who is not a techie asked me about Brita Bridges and asked me whether, you know, talked about how he has not heard of it and all that. He went on to ask me a lot of questions and I said, okay, okay, time out. I'm having a chat with the founder and who better to answer those questions than Dario, right? But what we're talking about today is your journey. I don't recall seeing anything that talks about you. So now after I talk about you, we'll branch into Brita Bridges, which is an integral part of your journey as well. So are you ready to get personal? I am. I am. Yeah, I think I, I talked about, I usually talk about this, the backstory when I speak in public. It doesn't often get recorded. Brighter has a very unconventional journey, I have to say. I can't wait to hear it. I love a good origin story. So how did your journey into what is your career today start? Thank you. Thank you. Lynn. So I don't even know where to start from. I don't, I don't actually, I, I wouldn't be able to actually point and a moment in time where this journey starts, because there, there are different chapters of this journey, but I would probably say the most, or I guess the funniest one, the most unconventional one is the fact that I found it, I found myself in Ghana uh, while finishing my master's degree and, and, and I'd founded a magazine. It's always been a dream of mine to be an editor of a magazine. So I set up my own. It was nothing fancy, like no one was really reading it, mm-hmm. uh, but it was about entrepreneurship and innovation for development, for, for impact. Mm-hmm. And I happened to be a, uh, to be doing street photography. So I went to Ghana with my camera, my tripod, my books, and my recorder. And what I what I was supposed to be doing was an actual internship in solar energy. And the internship turned out to not exist. So what happened was after a week of doing nothing, I resigned, and I said I, I need to invest my time in in Ghana because I'm going to be here for a few months. So I'm just this is my last day with you guys. And so what happened was I began my journey across Accra and outside Accra by taxi, using my tripod and my camera, Googling at night any entrepreneurs that would be around. Bear in mind, this was like 2016. So it was very early for especially Ghanaian ecosystem. And I began this journey of writing stories. I even started a, a YouTube channel that mm. probably got like four, four followers. <laughs> um, it's still alive though. Like I, I kept it. I kept it just for uh, for the memories. And I started interviewing entrepreneurs, and turned out to be something that I I loved doing, and something that I I thought I could build upon. And I started building upon it. And after a couple of years of working in corporates and working in consulting, I decided it was it was a good time for me to to start my actual journey as an editor of a magazine, and I kicked off brighter as brighter and not as the company that it was before. The company before was called Gino and Gino stood for, Gin is, is an, kind of an Indian word for genius for idea. 
and mm -hmm. Inno stands for innovation, right? And so the idea was this magazine about innovation, about ideas, about creativity. And then I started Brighter. So this is how really Brighter began as a visual content creation platform. And then by way of collecting data, by way of interviewing people, I started effectively keeping a log on Excel of the people I was meeting, what they were doing, started segmenting by the industry, by sector, by, by geographies. And that led to where we're now, a team of 14 people active all across Africa and emerging markets and having a, a 2.0, maybe informally a 4.0 version of our platform and ultimately millions and millions of people. Okay, remember when I said I want to get personal, right? You talked about how you uh, had your master's. And what did you study? What Your first degree, your master's, what what did you study? So so my, my master was actually in London. It was a, a university called uh, SOAS, School of Oriental and African Studies. And it's been a passion of mine to, to work across Africa since I was probably 17. Hmm. Don't ask me why. I, I've I just had it in me. Right. Uh, I guess that was my calling. Okay. And and I've always been very consistent with this passion. So I've always been read, reading about it. I've always been, 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 been studying about it. I've always been working in this space. And I've ultimately founded a company. And I would say I, I studied development studies. So my passion was to figure out, like to be to be competent about what, what it takes to, to promote socioeconomic growth. I didn't necessarily want to take the route of NGOs of humanitarian space. Not because I'm against it, but just because I'm simply that was not what I wanted to focus on. And I began writing stories. I've, I've always been a big fan of promoting good, inf good information, uh, factual and objective information. And that's why I turned Brighter from a magazine into kind of what we call now a market intelligence company. Because what we wanted was was a platform that would be able to inform without necessarily attaching opinions, attaching biases. And try to be as as transparent as possible. So something that we we do every day when we publish is adding a lot of disclaimers, a lot of caveats, uh, not just because we want to shield ourselves from problems and cancels. Can you know this is a cancel culture? But we <laughs> not that we are like we we need to defend ourselves from this. We're we're very we're very careful. But because we really wanted to make sure we we provide the market with with a platform that ultimately would be would be a point of reference for information. Okay. Uh, you know, when people talk about their, their startups and their businesses, they say it with ambiguous terms. So I'm listening to you and I'm nodding. I'm saying, yeah, but I'm not understanding anything you're talking about if I am not in that field. So I want you to break this down for me now in layman's terms. Talk to me as if I don't know anything about the field. What do Rider Bridges do? Okay. So... Lillian, I've started pitching Brighter, and this is the first time I do it in public on a, on a show. Um, I started pitching Brighter as the gossip girl of Africa business. Ooh, XOXO. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, so I, I, I pitched Brighter on all sorts of things. Like I called it the Bloomberg for Africa, I called it the Pitch Book for Emerging Markets, I've called it many things. But... And now, ultimately, we've, we've got this this this, this uh, funny way. But Brighter was born as a company that wants to provide information about opportunities in markets that do not have this type of information. Mm -hmm. Okay, not that they don't have opportunities, but they do not have a production of information that allows basically an audience inside these countries or outside these countries to get a sense of what actually happens. And 
as a matter of fact, we never use the word developing countries. We, never, we hardly ever use the word emerging markets. We started now because effectively, effectively we're expanding towards the emerging markets. But we've always used the formula underserved markets. And the reason for this is the underserved piece that we focus on is the lack of information. So what we do is creating databases. So creating lists and directories that are very comprehensive that are very organized, that are very thought through, that explain what happens in these markets from an industry perspective, from a sector perspective, from an impact perspective, from a demographic perspective. So we look at different industries. We provide information about opportunities in agriculture, opportunities in financial technology, opportunities in healthcare, opportunities for uh, female founders, opportunities coming from public investors, opportunities coming from private investors, what banks are doing and corporates are doing to provide the help to the entrepreneurs, right? So market intelligence, in truth, is nothing but storytelling and storytelling is nothing but the aggregation and the steering of an amount of data that we've collected, right? The, 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 the use for a certain purpose, which is the use of data, the use of the use of data collection, the use of research for the purpose of showing the world what actually happens across these markets. This is what we're doing. And that's why I, I stay away from saying we work with startups, we work with VCs, we work with valuations, because my purpose and brightest purpose is not actually the startup world. The, the, what we want to focus on is the production of information on business and investment and grow from that, uh, from that angle. Obviously, we started from, from the innovation space, the startup world. That was my edge, that was my angle, that was what I, I, I knew the most, right? And that's what got my like my foot in the door. But now we're in a moment where like, we're doubling the team every 12 months. So now we're in a phase where we're expanding geographically, we're expanding the team, we're expanding the data points that we're focusing on, the categories that we look at way beyond like the startup space, way beyond Africa. We want to try to create opportunities across uh, the world, including Africa. And we probably, I would say, if not the only one, we're one of the very few companies that have started from Africa and are now expanding towards the merchant market. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's always the other way around. But you started from here. So for a biz- before a business is founded, there must have been a problem that has been identified, right? You see that, okay, this is a problem. And then you realize that it needs an urgent solution, right? You have pointed out some of those problems that you spotted. But I would like to know if there are more. And if you are able, you have been able to, so far I'm talking about brighter bridges, if brighter has been able to solve those problems that you identified early on when you started, Ooh. <laughs> uh, what when you mean when you say problems? I mean loopholes or something that needed, you know, to be corrected. As in as in as in from the ecosystem or from what we were doing? The ecosystem that you that's why Brighter Okay, was from ecosystem. Found. Okay, yes. well, Okay. So the the way the ecosystem okay, okay. I thought you this was a question on, on, on what we learned. Um so the the way the ecosystem developed, the I would say uh, it's actually been fascinating. I, I think I, I was just discussing recently with someone how we've now observed a number of generations of entrepreneurs, generations of investors, generations of narratives happening across the continent. And something that I am very proud of, not about Brighter, but about the way the ecosystem has developed, is there's a shift towards maturity of the debate. It's not just about, oh my God, African entrepreneurs are saving the world. Is which was already a massive shift from there's nothing going on in Africa mm-hmm. to, okay, what are the business models that are working, right? 
whether we're just I, um, I happened to be talking to a, to a founder in mobility probably a month ago about how when he started and I started the there was there was a massive market for their model and five years later six years later what you find is actually there's a like the, some major corporates globally have entered the market and these are the ones that are now uh, capturing the market share and how they, their business models because of the hardship and unit economics, because of the massive investment needed, because of the fact that just business models across, global business models across Africa might not fit, how, how the ecosystem has changed, right? And how, how perspectives have changed, how opinions have changed. So I think one more than, more than problems is it's going to be very cheesy to say, but like modern problems is going to be opportunities that we've that we're, that we're realizing the ecosystem is facing. Right? There's new narratives, there's new opportunities of what can be done and cannot be done, um, based on what can be done and what cannot be done across the ecosystem. Right? New business models. The more than the lack of information now, it's the lack of accurate information, mm -hmm. the lack of a point of reference. Right? More than the lack of funding, which obviously will always be the case is the lack of specific funding at specific stages, right? Or lack of access to to certain support to different uh, certain sectors, right? So one of the things that first that we've, hi we've uh, highlighted is very recently is how there has been a growth in sector-specific investors. There used to be investors covering everything. Now there's a growth in very specific sub-segment of the market that investors focus on because they can really focus their, their attention on specific business models on specific verticals or specific customer segments, right? And what we're trying to do at Brighter is capturing this information and, and, and put it out there in the most comprehensive and feasible way possible. Not feasible, sorry, a readable uh, way possible. Okay. When you're talking about how you started um, Brighter, how you went to Ghana for the internship opportunity, which didn't exist, which I still want to know, maybe later, you tell me what that was about. But then you said you had to now start literally backpacking in a cabby in a cab around ghana and you were meeting startups founders and all you made it seem like as, as you were saying it i was like whoa that was that sounds, sounds so easy but it is not obviously it's not so i'd like to know some of the biggest challenges that you faced when you started brighter and how you overcame them really <laughs> this is a conversation i have a lot with people in general people in general but about the concept of entrepreneurship itself like a lot of mm -hmm. people are like oh you can train to become an entrepreneur you can want to become an entrepreneur i don't think it's often like i think often the case is you start doing a project and then the project grows and then you have to quit your job because the project is growing and it's occupying a bigger share in your life and then you're gonna have to hire because not only you're full-time but you you cannot keep up with the workload and then you keep hiring and then you keep hiring and if there's demand and you do things, I guess, properly, the demand grows and, 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 and you need to be able to respond to it, right? I started with, I think my account was like minus $2,000. <laughs> like it was, it was, there was no seed capital in this. I was the seed capital, right? It was my backpack. And uh, I mean, I, I never lacked resources to do what I was doing. I've always worked since I was 18. As a matter of fact, the first year I was I was a, I was a waiter when I, when I was before the year before I launched Brighter. I served a lot of burgers before I launched mm. uh, launched Brighter. But I I would say I would say the things more practically the thing that I struggled the most with has been has been product because what happened was as I shifted from more manual data collection and, and consulting, which is what Brighter began monetizing, the shift from that to product 
was a shift that required capital, was a shift that required technical skills, which I lacked, both of which I lacked, right? So what happened was I I actually have been struggling for years to be able to to launch, to get the product to where it is now, to where it's been for the past few months and a couple of years. But so then I would say from a, from a, from a solo founder, like without any specific capital advancement, uh, is something that I've struggled with. I think the, on, the, the other aspect, which I don't consider as a struggle, I just consider as a feature of the journey that you're on when, when you, when you start a project like this is your brain never, never disconnects. And there's so much that you can do to say, like, you need work-life balance and you need to do yoga in the morning and journal and do sport. The truth is when things grow the way they grow, they've, they've grown it brighter. I like you have to you have to be able to resilient enough to, to step up and, and be on top of things every day. But I'll tell, but there's a happy ending to this. So Brighter has entered the fifth year now. So we're almost half a decade old. Congratulations. And thanks. And we're actually throwing a big party. So like for everyone listening, like there's going to be a great party at the end of the year. But the happy ending part of this is over the past 12 months, I would say I've managed to, Brighter has gotten to a point where we managed to structure a team in such a way that enables me to not have to do everything or cover like every ground and cover specific ground that are appropriate for my role. Mm -hmm. And so my role has been an ever changing role. And what I find right now is I have more time to do, to have weekends. I have more time to do sport. I have more time to travel. I have more time to pick up my passions that I had to kind of give up over the course of the first few years, which was my music and my photography, for instance. Music. And, and now I'm picking it up again. Yeah, yeah, I've played guitar for like 20 years, 23 years. So yeah. Okay, that's interesting. That's been, uh, that's, that's been my, that's been my thing. But yeah, so I would say, I would say, Probably the, the challenges and the journey of, of building a company have different different faces, different sides, and not all hope is gone because in the first couple of years you're not able to do anything that work, especially if it's growing. You and and I think the resilience aspect and the passion aspect are so important for you to be able to to run a company sustainably. And this cannot be taught. Like the truth is, you can hardly ever teach resilience especially because you need to teach resilience in the first six months and the business mm -hmm. kicks off right mm -hmm. but i also think resilience is a function of passion this is resilience is a function of your belief in what you're doing as i said before i've been passionate about this since i was 17 i'm turning 30 next month so i am it's been 12 years that i've been focused on this right so i'm this has been my passion forever so i, I think that's where it, where it comes from I don't, I don't say that this is the only way for people to, to be able to run a company. There are many other ways. There are many more technical and smarter ways to run a company, but this is the way I've built brighter. This is the way I've, I've yeah, I would say this is the, and also, this is the only way I know. <laughs> right. When we talk about challenges, we also talk about, um, lessons, you know, because, okay. In my daily life, if I'm around people who maybe this person fell into a ditch because she was not looking. She was, you know, always on her phone. I will make sure that when I'm on the road, I'm not going to always be on my phone. So I'll avoid that ditch. Same with life. If people knew, know that, okay, this, are, you know, some challenges along the way that you can face and this is how you can overcome them. It can help. Right. Also, I believe that lessons are also, you know, needed for people to 
who want to tow this particular path, it can help them as well. So can you share some lessons that you've learned along your journey as an entrepreneur, as a founder, as a solo founder? And also, I would like to know if being a solo founder is more difficult because I've seen a lot of co-co-co-co-co-founders and I'm not seeing the co-founder um, at Brighter Bridges, right? So is it more difficult? But I'm asking too many questions. Let's just start from the lessons that you've learned. I mean, I'll start from the last one. I, I don't know if it's more or less difficult to start with a, like as a solo founder or not. I think I actually, I would even dare say that having a, a co-founder is riskier than not having one in the sense that like having a bad relation with your co-founder can actually kill the business, even though the business is doing well. Mm-hmm. And Whereas if you, obviously there's ups and that there's, there's goods and bads in both, both. I don't think there's a blueprint for, for anything. I know spectacular solo founders and a spectacular pals who've, who've been running businesses together. So I, I don't think there's a, there's a blueprint. Is there. I wouldn't say I've struggled for being a solo founder. As I said, I, what I struggled with was the lack of specific skills, but that doesn't mean that you need to find them in the co-founder, right? Okay. You can find skills as skills. You can buy the skills, right? But this is my perspective again. I don't want to. I don't want to impose my my mm-hmm. opinion. This is my experience. Mm-hmm. Lessons learned. Lesson learned is resilience is extremely important. Passion is extremely important, but not in a cheesy way. Not like wake up and 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 thank the world because you're and you're grateful and you should be grateful. Like passion in the sense of belief. You need to really believe inside and out what you're doing. the The lesson is also building a team. And listen to the team is very important. Being able to be able to to be transparent and be honest is is very important. I told my team I wasn't going to raise any funding at Brighter from the start, so there was no chase for like big millions. There was no not that there's a chase for big millions in terms of revenues, but when we started, we were very humble with with, with the way we went by it. Right, mm-hmm. the person who's now my COO basically started also very early in career and now we stuck together for, for four years. It's basically a microfounder, right? The, the early team is basically um, a co-founding team because you're in you're in the you're in the trenches when 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 there's nothing, right? When mm-hmm. they're still building. Uh, when it when it's when it's when it's cool because you know you go home with like corporate mugs and corporate hoodies but there's you're not going home with a Tesla, right? You just like believing in in the process. So I would say that the, the team has been important. The resilience has been important. And also, I, this is just, a, I guess, an approach to life that I always have is, is that the life is a spinning wheel. Like, I think there are days where, like, everything seems crashing down, but the next day is a new day, and then you wake up and there's a massive opportunity in, in, in the bag, right? And, 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 and resilience is very important to overcome those dark days. Very, very important. But again, not all of this can be taught. Right, especially mm-hmm. in like handbooks and business schools, I think that there are some elements of lack, of course. You know, like the, there are there are things. Anyone who's been working in the tourism industry, you know, one of my best friends works in hospitality. They they've been running a, a thriving set of businesses in the hospitality space, one of the largest cities in the world. And and when COVID hit, this was one of the most like lockdown stricken cities in the world for for many for for years, not even months. How do you deal with it, right? How do you deal with having put one hundred fifty thousand dollars of your savings and your and your and your, and your inheritance maybe in mm-hmm. in a business that is just going to go down because 
because everything has been locked. But again, life moves on and he's, he's been thriving now. He's thriving and, and, and I've seen many businesses go through sort of ebbs and flows. I think resilience is important. I think being determined to understand that the journey is not going to be linear is also very important. And also, I think I think not putting money in front of in front of everything is very important. Like I, if we had a it, there's an internal joke in our team because I the first few years I used to say I still say that I've never been money driven, and there was people in my team would be like yes, but we are, <laughs> <laughs> and so we do want to make. <laughs> So we're like, yeah, but we do want to make money. So like, uh, get your shit together, you know. <laughs> like, so, so it's been it's been funny because we've had this conversation. But I actually, I actually truly believe that like, if all you think of is money, you're gonna really suffer any shock or any unpredictability, uh, any unpredictable event that is gonna happen in your company. Well, you you might not be money driven, but your team will be money driven for you. You know, just continue with the way <laughs> what you're doing. So. How do you stay focused as an entrepreneur, especially during challenging times? I know that even people who have nine to five jobs, sometimes they have burnout and they'll just say, okay, I'm giving up. I'm no longer doing this. I'll change jobs. But you cannot change jobs. You're literally like you're the founder. You cannot just leave brighter bridges and go work somewhere else. You are with that company. So how do you stay uh, motivated and focused? I think there are, there are different aspects to this. One aspect to this is the very technical one. So as things grow and your agenda grows, having structured, uh, starting from the least sexy version of, of what I could say here, but very practically, like it's very important to to understand the priorities of the business because especially a company like us, we used to go on, 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 on TV, we used to go on talks, we used to write, people will reach out, say we want to do a collab, we want to do a, a, a mapping on AI, we want to do a mapping on blockchain, we want to do a mapping of video games, we want to do, and understanding how much resource, how many resources you can devote to a specific aspect of a business without, you know, business math. Like at the end of the day is mathematics. So mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you need to have X plus one or you're gonna not going to pay salaries. So that's the focus. And for me, the focus has always been making sure that the business would get to the end of the month as X plus one. And my team knows this. I am anti-stress. Like it's impossible for you to see me stressed. I'm immune to stress. But the only thing that gets me restless is the fear that I might not be able to pay salaries, right? And for an, for like, for like an enterprise that is not funded, that doesn't have a bu- bunch of money up front, the cash flow becomes a very important thing, right? So for me, it goes down to, I don't remember the, the is it the Hanslow pyramid? The, the priorities? I don't remember the name. Yes. Hanslow the, the, I go pyramid back to, of the, need. to the very, right, right, the pyramid of need. And for me, the, 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 at, at the top of the needs you have, at, but what, what I try to say is the most important need for me is making sure that that's X plus one at the end of the month for mm-hmm. the team. Everything, everything else comes, comes after that. All so right. it's a, so being able to do being able to do many things is a byproduct of the fact that your team is actually working well, because if you're able to just fly around to be on talk shows to do collaboration that are not paid for, it means that you have to handle the basic layer, which is businesses mathematics. There's no other way to say it. At the end of the day, you need to be able to pay salary. Fine. It is, there are many instances where companies haven't been able to pay salaries, but they knew there would be money coming through. Uh, later on so the team have been understanding about this many companies are still doing it now funded or not funded all i'm trying to say is that a business at the end of the day need to make sense 
Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and this is the way I go about it. So I, the focus for me has been quintessentially understanding that what we needed was making sure that the money was in, in the bank. And anytime you do, I, I would even perceive slightly that the money would not be in the bank at the end of the month, I would go into beast mode to make sure that everything would be in there. Right. And, and this has worked. Brighton has never failed a salary in five years. So I'm, I'm very happy about this. And then again, passion and vision are two things that go hand in hand because vision, passion is a, is, is a function of vision. I think because internally, you know what you want internally, you see how the market is developing based on what you owe. You're seeing how, what you're building is reacting to the market and how the market is reacting to what you're building. So inherently you vision and focus and prioritization go hand in hand for me and needs. So once the needs are satisfied, prioritization and vision go hand in hand. Okay. Um, so, you know, for everybody that I've uh, met, even me in your career, you might just, there might be something that, you know, you do. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm proud of myself. This is like one of my be- my greatest a- achievements in my life, right? So what do you consider to be your greatest personal achievement? I'm talking about both inside and outside of your business. Outside of my business, uh, I would say the what has gotten me very excited uh, recently and satisfied is the fact that I've been able to, to go back to my passions, which I have shaped. I don't know if you've followed me through my career, but I've never been like a, a suit and tie guy. I've always been someone who would like traveling or like music or like art, uh, like photography. So I, the fact that I've been able to, to, to go back to this and the fact that there's a structure around what, what I'm doing that, that enables me to do that, that's a big satisfaction from a personal perspective. From a professional perspective, I'm happy that my team is getting married, is buying houses, uh, paying mortgages, they're planning families. I think this is very important to me. And uh, so this has been one of, I guess, professional achievement that aside from obviously like the work that we do and that obviously makes me very happy i do think we are moving the needles even even slightly i think a lot of people let go of that particular goal they treat their their um, employees as dispensable right they don't they're not invested in their lives and i think that is a big issue that needs to be solved so talking about mentorships are you open to mentoring up and commerce do you have any program for that or something i have i i've been doing slightly mentorship i'm i'm someone who doesn't like doesn't i i'm 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 very convinced that journeys are very different and and i find myself struggling to to come up with mentorship or anything to say to someone who is never who i who never interacted with or who's building some business that is completely different from mine because brighter has been extremely unconventional in its design and its in its growth and because they said i do trust the process i do trust vision i do trust passion i i find it hard but yes i'm, I'm always very happy to talk to to founders, I, I just add this caveat to any conversation because I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to come across like I'm, I'm 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 teaching a lesson because I fundamentally don't believe in it. I don't believe it. One of the reasons why I haven't taken up capital in our space is because there are very very few, if any, success stories in my in my industry in Africa, and I am waiting and seeing before I get before I get out there and decide to scale fast, accepting risk capital without you know without understanding the fundamentals we're now making sure that the people that help me understand the fundamentals 
All right. Hopefully that will um, change in the future. Before we leave, what are your long-term goals for your business? So I would want to know what plans you, you know, have for Brighter in the future. I think, I think it's, it's growth across emerging markets. It's growth from a perspective of building a bigger portfolio. We're now growing very fast, uh, acquiring a lot of clients and, and, and building the team. So I think from a perspective of product market fit, now we want to surf this wave. Uh, we want to surf the wave of being one of the leading organizations doing this um, on the continent. And there are other organizations that are going to try to do similar uh, work. They're doing great work. I think there's a lot of need for uh, for data across the world and, and information at large. So my plan for the immediate future are very straightforward. We're expanding vertically in terms of data and we're expanding horizontally in terms of markets. Possibly we'll be expanding from a perspective of services and new um, new work that we're doing. The fact it says that we're not going to just do research, but we're going to do also other aspects, but I want to spoil anything and also I don't want to jump the gun because we haven't effectively rolled out all these other aspects of our business. Wait for it. Okay, you heard it. Wait for it. Thank you very much, uh, Dario, for joining us today on Africa Tech Radio. It's been an insightful conversation. I just, I, we really wanted to know who Dario is away from the data talk that you always do whenever you go for interviews. You're always, you know, talking about serious stuff. I want to know who you are personally. Thank you very much for giving us that. And we hope that that party that is going to happen in December, in, you said the end of the year, right? We are invited. Are we invited? You're, you're nodding. <laughs> Everyone is invited. Okay. Everyone just, is invited. Just give us the yes. when and the where and we'll be, we'll be there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes, you've listened to the conversation we had with uh, Dario Giuliani <laughs> where he talked about his personal journey from where he started to where he is now that is uh, building brighter bridges and that was a very wonderful conversation it's been a wonderful absolutely wonderful day you cannot imagine how i feel right now and of course i have to remind you that you can follow us on all our social media platforms on instagram it is a tech radio on twitter africa tech radio on facebook africa tech radio on linkedin africa tech radio okay follow us turn on your notifications engage our comments like uh, subscribe on our youtube platform because we have amazing content for you always my name is lillian and this is back to base in africa tech radio thank you very much for joining us and uh, I'll see you when I see you. Thanks for listening and don't forget to catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com.